Hello, friends. Have you noticed that you can get caught up in consuming content? Or maybe you notice you are hyper, hyper focused on the doing. Empaths, we often consume. And I know because that was me too, soaking up information from all my favorite teachers and mentors. But it wasn't until I started focusing more on the being and embodiment work that the door to massive clarity was finally unlocked. And I no longer got confused about what was my energy versus everybody else's. I was able to become a more clear channel for creation and as a result, transform my life, business, and health. In fact, my meditation and embodiment practice is what helped me have a nearly $40,000 month this past January, see the highest downloaded month of the podcast, and finally release a lot of unnecessary stress. And my clients felt it and saw it in their lives too. It wasn't reading more articles. It wasn't doing more busy work. So I'm inviting you to graduate from the spongy empath consumer into the self-activated sovereign healer. You can take your podcast listening experience from, ooh, I feel seen, heard, and inspired to, holy shit, I actually feel different. My being has shifted. I am the embodiment of the woman I desire to be. The Third Eye Collective is a simple way to upgrade your experience and commit not only to a meditation practice that complements your healing, but also receive personalized coaching so you can be clear on what direct actions to implement into your highest goals. There are two simple ways to get involved at $11 or $22 a month with no commitment. So if this is calling your name, join this amazing and growing community. Welcome to the Healing Uncensored Podcast. My name is Sarah Small, and I'm a health and mindset coach for women with autoimmune disease just like you. I absolutely love helping you tap into your self-healing power, uncover the energetic side of healing, and release limiting beliefs around your body and your life. Think of this podcast as everything you wouldn't hear at your doctor's office. It's a place for empowered souls to move beyond food and heal themselves on a soul level. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Now let's begin. In today's episode, I have with me Natalie Supes. Natalie is a coach for women with IBD or irritable bowel disease. And you're going to hear Natalie discuss her personal healing story, how she experienced a flare for 12 years and was finally able to achieve remission through diet and exercise. We're also going to talk about the difference between fighting your way up, say, a corporate ladder or through college, university, and what it feels like to fight an illness. We're going to talk about mindset, what it's like to be in a relationship with chronic illness, and so much more. So again, I can't wait for you guys to hear all that Natalie has to share today. Let's dive right in. Welcome to the show, Natalie. I'm so excited to to have you here. And you shared with me that you were diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and then Crohn's disease. Can you share your healing journey and what inspired you to create your Instagram, which I highly recommend everyone go check out. It's at For The Health. Uh, Can you tell us that story? Yeah. Well, first off, thank you so much for having me here. I love your Instagram also. And um, yeah, I'm excited to share my story. 
So I was um, just finishing high school, um, still in high school and got diagnosed with UC. It was about a year before I got diagnosed. Um, I eventually had a colonoscopy and the GI said it was UC. Um, throughout the years that diagnosis was changed to Crohn's, kind of not in a specific time. It just, sometimes they would say Crohn's, sometimes UC, and eventually it was always Crohn's. Um, there's a lot in the story. <laughs> but, um, I, so I was pretty young, not as young as some people now getting diagnosed, but you know, I was 17 ish when symptoms started. And that was about the time where I was finishing high school and deciding to go to university. I was also in a hairstyling program. So I had a lot going on um, and did go to university. Mm -hmm. all while in a major flare. So my symptoms were a lot of bathroom trips, like 20 to 30 a day, a lot of blood, um, extreme pain, like having to take two Tylenol threes, tough painkillers every single day, just to kind of be able to do the day. Mm -hmm. Um, and within that, I still continued kind of pushing for my dreams. So I, I finished the hair program I worked as a hairstylist while in university for business, mm-hmm. um, all while almost ignoring the disease. Like the disease was my life because I couldn't really do anything other than, you know, school and work, mm-hmm. but I didn't want to accept that it was going to be that way forever. Mm-hmm. But I didn't do anything other than what the doctors told me to. They were kind of my, you know, the doctor says, do this. I would do that. Mm-hmm. My family was pretty holistic in the sense that they really believed that other things can help. Um, I can remember them bringing me like almond milk and rice milk and me thinking that they were crazy Mm -hmm. and making me drink like aloe juice and all these things that I do now. (laughs) But but back then I was like, no, like you think that drinking aloe juice is going to cure this incurable disease like you're crazy. Mm -hmm. So I would never listen. I was pretty stubborn. (laughs) Um, an only child. So yeah, stubborn. I wouldn't listen. I was sick. So that was stressing me out. And then I would add a bunch of stress on top of it with school work, etc. Um, so I was in a flare for 12 years, um, in and out of the hospital, usually in the hospital around exam periods of university. Mm -hmm. I would get diagnosed with different things like arithmetidosa and, um, started fainting from being anemic a couple times and you know just one thing after another they would put on top of the Crohn's disease and I would keep taking the medications and uh, symptoms would continue to get worse up until 2017 where um, it just got so bad that I didn't leave the apartment for weeks Mm -hmm. I had a job thankfully I was done university at this point but I had a job as a VP of marketing for a company and I was able to work from home. So it was really good, except I was probably in the bathroom for 90% of the day in pain. And then I would go do hair and stuff on the side. And, um, it just wasn't, wasn't a way to live. And Mm -hmm. I definitely wasn't, I wasn't in tune with my body. I always had a lot of weight issues. So I did consider fitness a part of my life. I would go to the gym and be in the bathroom five to six times throughout an hour. But I didn't really care what I was eating because of health reasons. I wasn't at the gym for health reasons. I was at the gym for, you know, like weight loss or vanity or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I just didn't, I just didn't think there was another way other than being sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got a perforated bowel and was trying to go do someone's hair. Oh. <laughs> my husband freaked out on me to the point where he actually like, we lived in an apartment where our friends lived above us. And he was like, I can't, I like, I need, you need to go to the hospital. If you're not going to go, I have to leave. Like, I can't watch you like this. And so he went upstairs and I was just sitting on the bed and I wanted to go still, but I couldn't even get up. The pain was so bad. So I called him and we went to the hospital. That was like a two, almost two week stay. Mm-hmm. Um, and they tried a few times throughout other hospital stays to do surgery to give me a colostomy bag, but I kept refusing. And this time they put me on biologic medications. They really didn't give me another option. Mm-hmm. And because of those, um, they put me on Humira. So I had been on every other medication besides biologics, but yeah, they put me on Humira and a bunch of antibiotics. And within a few months, I gained a, a large amount of weight. Um, I think within three months, it was almost 50 pounds. Wow. So that's when um, my weight struggles kind of came back because I had lost weight through over the years and I decided to start caring about health a bit more Yeah, and really researching, kind of taking what I learned in university and digging deep into scientific studies. And like, you know, at that point I lost trust, not in my doctor, cause he's a great doctor. I like, I love him. I'm blessed with my doctor, but I lost trust in maybe medication or the medical system. Mm-hmm. And so um, I continued to gain weight in over six months, and I started finding studies that proved that biologic medications do that for about 13% of people. They damage the mitochondria, and you're just, you gain weight, and you can't get it off no matter what. So I was, I hired a few coaches. I was extremely dieting, like fully clean, no sugar, nothing, training every day, Um, and the weight kept coming on. So finally I convinced my doctor that it was the medication, but he switched me to Solera, which is another biologic medication. And I gained 20 pounds in that one month. And so that's when we said this enough is enough. Like if I, you know, weight gains one thing, but if I'm gaining 20 pounds in a month and this continues, then that's going to be a whole nother illness. Mm -hmm. It's not just vanity at this point. So I actually became a personal trainer in that same month (laughs) Um, and begged my doctor to let me get off medication. I had done a lot of research about keto and other things like scientific, I mean, uh, like clean versions of keto, kind of what they did for epilepsy, but for chronic illness and just wanted to give it a go on my own. Mm -hmm. That was January, 2018. And I've been in remission since. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, no, it's, I, I love to hear other women's story because uh, even if we're diagnosed with different things, I think there's so much we can see ourselves in that story and the, and the struggle to get the diagnosis. And then, I mean, you were saying losing trust in the medical system, healthcare system. I'm like, yes, like it sucks, but I've been there too. And it's, it's been so disheartening and, and heavy. And you're like, okay, now this is where I thought I was going to get my healing. Now, where do I look? Where do I go from here? And, and it sounds like you were doing so much. And like you mentioned 12 years in a flare, like that's, 
that's so exhausting, I'm sure. And, mm -hmm. and to be in remission now since, would you say last January, like a full year, mm -hmm. right? Like this, that's amazing. And so you, you talk a lot, I saw on your Instagram and a little bit of your bio too, about being able to, you know, quote, fight your way through challenges in life, like being in university full-time, having multiple part-time jobs, doing hair school, like having relationships in a social life to some extent, and, and also having this illness, but that when you took that same kind of like battle mode, fight mode, and applied that to your health, it, it didn't, it, everything changed. So can mm -hmm. you explain kind of what, what you mean by that and, and what kind of created like this aha moment for you in that the way that I fight other things in my life might not work for this illness? Yeah, absolutely. So I think because I am an only child and kind of grew up, I'm Polish. So in a European family, I, it was always driven into me that like, you get what you put your mind to. So like drive for the drive for the stars. You can be whatever you want to be and like work hard and you'll get it. So, um, I kind of always did that without putting my disease into account, I guess. So I do preach that don't let your disease hold you back. Like whatever it is, you can still be whatever you want to be mm -hmm. and, you know, don't be a victim of it, be a victor and help other people. And, um, you know, there are going to be days, weeks where you can't do much, but that doesn't mean that you can't do the self-care and like the affirmations and stuff like that. But with that being said, like you said, if you fight your, for your whole life and you're fighting for your career and your dreams, et cetera, but you're ignoring your disease, mm -hmm. then what life do you have without health? Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until I kind of realized that and and I almost, I, I guess it was a blessing that I gained all the weight because I don't know if I would have realized it in another way. It's like I needed that vanity aspect to get the aha moment. But now that I got it, I'm, I'm so blessed for it. Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until I put all of that, like, I always say stubborn, but I guess drive towards my health that I was able to get what I wanted in the other parts of my life. So mm -hmm. being... Um, really aware and fighting for your health and your body and by fighting I mean like conscious and and doing things differently than everyone else around you maybe and having to miss out on the Dairy Queen when everyone else is having it and telling you that everything's okay in moderation mm -hmm. but just really trusting your body and and learning what that feels like and what it feels like to be healthy there's so many of us including myself like I had no idea that the things I was eating in two days were causing me issues. I was like, if it hurts right now, then okay, I can't eat that. But mm -hmm. didn't realize that, you know, going to McDonald's for McFlurry every night was causing me inflammation for 12 years. Right. I didn't get a McFlurry every night for 12 years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize that, that it was really causing those many issues. I realized if I ate like lettuce and I was in extreme pain after, maybe I shouldn't eat lettuce, but right. it wasn't like I would start researching on what I should eat. And if I did, I got confused. It wasn't like a deep dive. It was just this really dark part of my life that I didn't want to mm -hmm. acknowledge. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it sounds like almost like there's a different, there's different types of fighting and there's like fighting and like the hustle and the grind and pushing your way through something. And then there's a fight as in like advocating for yourself and standing up for what you believe in and, and being open-minded to find something that might be a little bit against the grain, against the norm of what other people are doing to heal something in a conventional versus maybe alternative way. So it sounds like you, you had to kind of shift some of your mindset around food, but also in life as you went through this whole healing journey and we're all still on the journey. But um, what would you say for you was kind of the shift in the mindset that was required for your deepest healing? I think the biggest thing that I had to realize was to slow down and breathe which is it's funny but when you're that kind of person like you said the hustle the grind it's like always driving forward but never in my body and never breathing and it wasn't until I started really focusing on like taking a moment and and really taking deep breaths and and sitting in those moments because I would try previous like meditation which I thought you had to sit there cross-legged for an hour Mm -hmm. and I would try like yoga which I didn't like because it was boring to me and I didn't realize that um tuning into my body and listening to myself could be such a healing and relaxing thing and I didn't realize how to do it so Mm. once I started finding self-care practices and day-to-day routines that I could really tune into myself that's when I think everything started changing so gratitude lists in the morning I don't really like journaling so I will write a note in my phone and I found that worked for me and like I can't sit cross-legged doing meditation and I usually spend quite a bit of time in the bathroom. So I always joke that I meditate on the toilet. <laughs> so like making, doing things that like, just because I have kind of a different personality doesn't mean I can't be, um, I can't slow down and I can't breathe and, and do that type of thing in, in my own way and the way that works. Yeah. And yeah, kind of like heal from within. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just modify it to your lifestyle. I think that's so important because if we try to force something and, and put the, what is it, the square peg into the round hole, yeah. right? Like it, it's, it's not going to be sustainable for you. Exactly. So finding a way that allows you to possibly enjoy it and exactly. then continue to do it and make it sustainable is so important. So if you yeah. could go back, like let's say 15 years ago before uh, this 12 year flare really started to, to come on strong. What would you say to that version of yourself? Like that younger girl, what would you say to her 15 years ago? Wow. That's a, I've never thought of that before. That's a good one. Um, I would honestly say care about what you're eating Mm -hmm. and focus on like your body is your temple and it, this isn't just about because I was young, so high school and just got a car and going out eating with friends and like mm-hmm. all of that stuff. Like this is about long-term game. Like my parents always fed me good home cooked meals when I was younger. I feel like around that time, 15 years ago is kind of where I was like, yellow, you guys don't have Tim Hortons in, in the States, but Tim Hortons, like coffee every morning and McDonald's or something at lunch and just not caring about 
um, taking care of myself. So I, I would say that that's so important and not to overlook it mm-hmm. and, and to start loving yourself at that young age and to learn like what you like and not care what others think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with these fluctuations in your weight, can you speak a little bit too? Cause I think there's so many women out mm-hmm. there who it doesn't have to be a digestive disease, but really any of the chronic illnesses and, and all of a sudden their body changes. And sometimes that means weight loss. Sometimes that means weight gain. Sometimes that means rashes on their skin or brain fog. Or, like there's just changes that you experience in the body. So it seems from my perspective of you on Instagram, at least that you are really connected to like just loving yourself as you are. So how, how are you able to do that and, and like tap into that body love despite this thing that's also changed your body a lot? Well, thank you so much. That, that means a lot to me that you would say that because I definitely haven't figured it out. I struggle with it every single day. This last change has probably been the hardest I've ever dealt with in my whole entire life. I think the only way that I've dealt with it is by addressing it. And I, I like, I don't really journal like long journals, but I do have like a gratitude kind of thing. I write every morning and I'll write an affirmation and I'll write whatever comes to mind and I'll be okay with it. And I'm really honest with my husband about it. And I talk about it. I think that's a big one is I talk about it with my close circle and I'm honest and open and when I'm feeling down and then they can talk me out of that negative self-talk or at least, you know, show me what I'm saying and that I would never say that to them. Mm-hmm. And so with doing that, especially in the beginning stages when it was so bad, mm-hmm. I think in doing that, I realized like, I would never say this to my best friend. I am still saying it to myself in the mirror. So I need to switch that. So like, I will walk by the mirror and be like, Oh, and then I'll be like, Oh no, you look beautiful. <laughs> so it's, it's, it is kind of a mind game, but it's, it's an everyday thing. And And on top of that is holding on to some of the things that do make me happy that aren't um, my physical look. So like, I love my hair. It makes me happy. Um, You know, things like that, that just like ground me to who I am. I know hair is like, is still physical, but you know, your style, different things like that, your body might change, but you're still the person you are on the inside. Mm -hmm. So the things you love doing, those don't change. The, The people around you, those don't change. And if you're vocal about how you're feeling, then like, there's not much else you can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you also that. have amazing hair. So I <laughs> like really cute hair. I know, like you said, it's a physical thing, but sometimes yeah. just finding one thing that you like about yourself, you appreciate about yourself can at least get yeah. you out of that sp- downward spiral. Because if we can't find one thing, then we're, we get really sucked into that dark hole and it's, it's, it can be hard to climb back out of it. I'm glad you brought up your um, husband because I've done two different episodes with first, the first episode we did together, he was my boyfriend and my roommate. <laughs> and then the second episode we did together, he was my fiance. And so we're getting married this October, but, um, Congratulations. We, thank you. We, um, had a conversation about, you know, what is it like to be in a relationship with someone who has chronic illness. And I'd love to get mm-hmm. your take on that as well, being married. And, and I think I read somewhere that you've been together for a while. Maybe, maybe, maybe you said that. So um, can, can you just speak to like 
how you manage and navigate a relationship with chronic illness. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been together eight years in April. Awesome. Um, married for two this past November. Awesome. I always, and this might be like contrary to some, what some people would say, but I always say that I think it's harder to be a spouse in a relationship with someone who has a chronic illness than to be the person who has a chronic illness. Mm. Um, at least I felt that way because I, I know what the pain feels like. I can deal with it. I've dealt with it for a long time. It's my life. So if something happens, like I can't do something, it's, you know, I'm the one missing out. But for the person who loves you so much and seeing you in pain and can't really do much and like that, it just broke my heart. Um, the way that we navigated the relationship is communication, always communication. When we first started dating, um, I had got out of an, a relationship a few years past where I kind of had to hide the disease and he made me feel bad about it. So when we first started dating, I would be in extreme pain and my husband or boyfriend at the time would try to rub my back and I would get upset because I'd be like, don't like, just leave me alone. Let me be by myself. I want to deal with this by myself. But he kind of nipped that in the butt right from the beginning and asked me why. And then I, I kind of figured that out. And so he was just always there by my side through anything. Um, I wrote about this a few weeks ago, I think, or days ago, and, and it was pretty emotional. But the first time I ended up in the hospital while we were dating was within our first year of dating. And he actually would come before work at like five in the morning to braid my hair because I had like bruises all up and down my arm from IVs. And then he would go home and change and shower and then come back to the hospital and like, you know, bring food or bring something from the house. And so I think it was in that moment that I knew he was forever, like he was yeah. going to be on my side. And after that hospital trip, it was really easy to just be open with him about anything and him kind of be my, like my rock, steady ground. I think the weight thing has been one of the hardest for us to navigate, honestly, because he will call me beautiful or something like that. And I don't believe him. And it was, that was a hard communication to get through because I think the pain, he sees it, we can, you know, we talk about it, he's there, but um, kind of the more the mental stuff is, is and has been a harder, harder journey to navigate. Yeah. 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 Uh, chronic illness definitely adds a layer. It just adds a layer. I don't think it has to be positive or negative. It's just another layer to, yeah. to a relationship. And it's something that you can navigate together and, and figure exactly. out as a team and you don't have to feel alone all the time. Uh, yeah. And so I, I know at least in my community, there's a lot of women going, where are the men who will <laughs> stay by your side through stuff like this and come braid your hair, <laughs> you know? Um, they're there, they're there. I was just going to say, they're out there. And sometimes we just have to manifest them. And Oh, so true know that they're that they exist uh yeah I started dating my fiance um after being diagnosed with celiac disease fibromyalgia some of my main diag diagnoses but but then the the darkest part of my health was when we were in our relationship mm -hmm. and uh three, four panic attacks, anxiety attacks every day and he yeah. he didn't know he was like what do you 
what can I do for you? And I was just like, leave me alone. (laughs) Like I just need to be like in a salt bath or like under a blanket or something. But that whole, and you know, I'm, I'm fortunate enough now that I can say like I've healed my anxiety, but it, it was, it was really, really hard during the time and required so much communication for, for me to be like, okay, I'm starting to feel the anxiety. Okay. Yep. It's here now. Okay. Like, and just being open with that. And I know you've talked too about just anxiety that you've experienced around, Mm -hmm. around illness. So what are some of the ways that you also manage all the anxious feelings that can come up in association with, with illness or Crohn's? Yeah. Before I answer that, something that came to mind with the relationship question Mm -hmm. and you kind of mentioned it is ask for what you need. Yeah. That's, I think that's a huge one is I, I didn't do that in the past, but then, you know, just by telling him, you know, when I'm in pain and don't know what else to do, you can always bring me water. Mm -hmm. And that gave him like something that he felt like he was helping and really did help. So yeah. Tell them what you need. That's a really good point. And that I think so many of us, especially women listening, who are primarily my listeners, anyways, but we have a really hard time asking for help. So sometimes it's easier to just be like, no, go away, like I was doing for so long. But like he wanted to help me in some way, and it was okay to ask for help. And I love that, like, something as simple as can you, you can just grab me a glass of water. Even if yeah. you don't want the glass of water, it makes him feel helpful probably, but oftentimes you need that glass of water too. Yeah. So yeah. that's a really good and point to add on. Loved. Yeah. It makes you feel loved. And like, I, there was so many times I'd have just like a full glass of water in the bathroom sitting there, but like it, even just seeing it would make me feel better and feel yeah. loved. Yeah. yeah. I'm supported. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with anxiety, oh, it's such a tough one with illness and it's so different. It's different with the people you're around. It's different with, um, you know, different social situations or jobs or things like that. Um, I think the biggest thing is just to know yourself and, and to kind of prepare for whatever your disease is going to put in front of you. So like for me specifically, if I was going to a social gathering, I would probably be anxious about like, where's the bathroom? Am I going to have time to use it? Am I going to have an accident? So prepare for those things. Like maybe if I can look where the bathroom is before going and have some extra stuff in my purse and maybe pants in the car if I need them. And if I'm going with someone I don't know, perhaps have a conversation with them prior. Just like if I'm in the bathroom a lot, I have a chronic illness. Yeah. It was like that. So instead of just ignoring it and seeing what will happen and then downward spiral when something bad happens and then you go home and you know it's just a bad week, mm-hmm. then have it be a bad couple minutes or a bad half an hour or something like that and mm-hmm. and have things with you that make it okay. Yeah. I love how transparent and open you are about this because I think there's so many people who are just so embarrassed or scared or mm-hmm. nervous to have the conversation. Uh, but I think what you've learned through your own experience, and I can relate to this in my own way as well, is just the more you put on the table, the the, the more the anxiety just goes away. And like, yes, that initial starting the conversation can be scary, but by the end you're like, Oh, I'm so glad I was just able to like 
talk about that and get it off my chest and instead of trying to constantly hide something about yourself that in this case like is a is something that impacts a lot of your day so it's really hard to cover up all the time too yeah and i think it's a little bit of like muscle memory because you say i'm so open about it but to me it's like it's second nature. I don't even realize that it's something to not be open about, but it, mm-hmm. it hasn't always been that way. And it, right. it did used to be something that was hard to talk about, but I think you get over the initial, you know, first conversations and each one gets a little bit easier and a mm-hmm. little bit easier. Mm, I love that. I love that. Now, so I, I don't know if you'll be able to answer this. I'm sure you'll have some insight on it, but a lot of women listening or a lot of people in my community have said, oh, I'm, I've been diagnosed with IBS or irritable bowel, bowel syndrome um, versus disease. And for many of them, it's really frustrating because I think that sometimes this IBS can be seen as a blanket diagnosis and it doesn't really get to the root of what's happening in the body or uh, it just doesn't feel maybe like complete for some people. They're like, okay, now what do I do or what's really going on? Do you have any thoughts on, on, on someone who has been recently diagnosed with IBS and kind of how to navigate that? Is there a way to get a deeper answer or, or maybe just a way to accept it or, or feel like you're moving in a positive direction? Yeah, I think IBS seems to be that diagnosis that people get when the doctor's like, you have stomach issues and we don't know what it is. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There's so many people like all over the place that I have IBS, I have IBS. um, And I I can't imagine because that's, it must be so frustrating because they're not getting any help and they still have a lot of the same symptoms we do. Mm -hmm. I think um, I've actually helped a few different women who have IBS, and I think the first step is to really sit down and map out your lifestyle. Like the four different pillars I always talk about is nutrition, movement, mindset, and like goals, you know, future stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So how does your nutrition look? Are you eating whole foods or are you eating fast food every day? Maybe that's a place to start. are you moving? Like that doesn't mean are you lifting every day at the gym, but are you going for a walk? Like, is there any movement or are you working a sedentary job and then, you know, doing nothing else? Um, and are you living a really, really stressed life and not doing any self-care or, you know, um, morning routine, nighttime routine, not sleeping, that kind of thing. Take a look at your lifestyle patterns and see if there's something there that you can work on and fix. And if there is, see if that helps. And if the, the symptoms continue or continue to get worse, then just then keep fighting for your health. So go to a natural path, you know, get a second opinion, ask for a colonoscopy. Um, you trust your gut in a sense, even though in this case, your gut's <laughs> I'm trying to tell you something by all those symptoms, right? Like that is like mayday, radar, red light going off. Like pay attention to me. There's something else going on here. Like just, and be your own advocate, right? Like Mm -hmm. be your own advocate that like maybe don't take 
IBS as the end all be all, like mm-hmm. keep digging deeper to figure out, okay, what, what led me to this point? And yep. is there someone who can help me figure out what the deeper layer is versus mm-hmm. yeah, what can feel like a blanket diagnosis of like, oh, you have digestive pain, you have IBS. And so does 90% <laughs> of the population. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another thing that um, I always suggest is if you do get diagnosed with IBS or IBD, um, really start paying attention. So I know that when you have digestive symptoms, it's funny, but you don't realize how many times you were in the bathroom. So like my doctor would ask and I would be like five to 30. I don't know. (laughs) Somewhere in there. (laughs) Have a notebook in the bathroom. And I know it's, it's not fun to write down everything you're eating, but if you want to just write down the foods you think are causing issues and put an X every time that you eat one of those or, but just keep track in one way or another, because the doctor's going to ask you specifics. And if you don't have specifics, then he's not going to be, or he or she won't be able to help you as much. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just had to get more in touch with our body and realize like, what are we putting into our body and, and on our body too, for that matter. But like, mm-hmm. <laughs> more aware and mindful of our of our lives instead of kind of operating in autopilot or just mm-hmm. grabbing whatever is on the table. So that those are really good and and practical easy tips that I think that anyone listening can implement. So I'm curious as we wrap up here, uh, what do you feel are some of the things that that illness has actually taught you or what wisdom have you gained from this whole journey? I love that. That's a big thing of mine is like, I'm, I'm actually thankful for my Crohn's disease, which is, yeah, it's different. I think it's taught me so many different things. I don't think I would be, and it's funny to say, but I don't think I'd be as much of a caring person if I never had Crohn's. Like mm-hmm. I would be, you know, that CEO at the top of a company that didn't care about anyone else. Cause that's just how I was. That's the trajectory I was on. Like I wanted just to win life. Um, this really made me slow down and care about other people and care about other people healing and, and feeling good. So I think I'm really thankful for that. It, it really, um, I don't know, gave me a different perspective on life. I'm also thankful for, um, I guess the way that it's brought me to health. So like, I know it's funny because it is an illness and I am sick, but I also don't think I would ever be this healthy and care this much about what I put into my body, on my body, um, how I move my body if it wasn't for Crohn's disease. So yeah, it's, it's helped me be healthier. How yeah. weird is that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can relate to that. And you've really taken something that's painful and you've turned it mm-hmm. into your purpose by helping other mm-hmm. women with IBD and just taking all of the things you've learned and experienced to be able to relate to them on a very intimate level mm-hmm. and also give them resources and support to, to truly heal. So where can anyone who's interested find you or work with you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. It's F O R period T H E period H E A L T H for the health. So, um, on Instagram and also I have a website, it's www.forthehealth.ca and there's no periods in between that one. Yeah. The regular one must have been taken or something, right? No, it's, you know what? It's not taken, but they won't let an Instagram name be for the health. Really? Yeah, it's not fair. Oh, yeah, this is not fair. <laughs> That's so interesting.
interesting. Well, okay, everyone use the periods in the Instagram. Don't use the periods in the website. Go find Natalie and uh, get the support that you that you need. Everyone deserves to have someone in their court and, and as a support system. So thank you so much for being on today. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Healing Uncensored podcast. I love you guys so much. I got a message from a listener the other day that literally brought me to tears. I really just want to express all my gratitude to all of you for taking the time to listen. I know your days are jam-packed and you have so much on your plate. And if this can just be that little spark of hope in your day, then that means the world to me. That's the purpose of this podcast, to show up, to tell the uncommon stories, and to show alternative other ways to healing beyond food on a soul level. So again, thank you so much for your support today and every time you put in your earbuds or listen to the podcast in the shower or the car or while you're making dinner or wherever you're tuning in. Again, I love you, I thank you, and it would mean so much to me if you would just take a minute to go rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Again, I I really, truly appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.